if you take a closer look specifically about the countries in Asia, for example, China, Japan, North Korea, Cambodia, and many more, under today's globalization, more countries are paying attention on this political and also this economic partnership. But meanwhile, we also need to address some of the critical and crucial social issues within some of the countries. For example, South Korea. Based on the recent article that this one of the major issues regarding gender equality topped the agenda not only for many countries in Asia, but also across the continent. But in this episode, we need to pull back to talk about this crucial issue in South Korea. What is the president's attitude? How about the ministry regarding gender equality? That's why today, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to have Britt Robinson to join the show. Now, Britt Robinson is a communications specialist at the International Center for Research on Women based in Washington, DC. She holds a master in Asian studies with specializations on the Korean Peninsula and global gender policy. Britt, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Thank you, Will. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. No problem. The pleasure is all mine. Now, again, as I mentioned before, initially when I discovered you, because this amazing article that you wrote and is entitled, Does the South Korean Ministry of Gender Equality Need to Be Abolished? You know, Britt, to be honest, as I mentioned before, when we think about the country of South Korea, and given the fact that this country recently just elected a brand new president, we always tend to think about this economic partnership or this economic opportunities or the political alliance. Why do you think it's so important that we need to address the gender equality within this country? Help us understand. That's an excellent question. I think what is now coming into the fore of public policy is that a lot of the issues we're dealing with, such as the economy and security and, you know, suicides, birth rate, which I mentioned in the article, they're not standalone issues. They're intersectional issues. And a root cause of some of these is gender equality and gender issues that are happening in society. And South Korea is a country that I like to say uh, had compressed modernity mm -hmm. in that they went very quickly from being a very poor country to being one of the most advanced countries in the world. But it takes time for society to catch up and for those social issues to come to the front. And now South Korea is facing a lot of the social issues that are affecting their economy um that a lot of other countries are facing and so they need to take a hard look at dealing with some of those social issues and that includes gender mm. Bert, i want to go back to the article and again i want to read something that you actually wrote and i think this will be very meaningful for us to understand a little bit more this is what you wrote and i quote in an effort to sustain the ministry, some have suggested a more moderate approach, such as rebranding, reconstructing, or redefining the mission of the ministry instead of outright abolishment. Now, Britt, the first question is, can you help us? What is the function of the ministry today? And that's number one. Number two is, what do you mean that some people suggest instead of complete 
elimination. Why not to rebrand it and reconstructing it or redefining it? What are you trying to say within this paragraph? Yes. So to understand the ministry, it's a, it's a complex ministry. But first, I should put it into an international context as well. So South Korea has this ministry of gender equality and family,、um, or in some countries you'd call it a department, like the United States. Now, the United States. Does not have a department of gender equality、mm. and family. Instead, the way our system works is that each department—security,、uh, finance,、um, education—all of our departments get a certain budget that goes towards gender, and they have gender experts within the ministry, which has been suggested that South Korea should follow this model. Unfortunately, for the United States, this hasn't worked、um, at all. Because a lot of times these budgets aren't used,、mm. or the people who are gender specialists are kind of pushed to the side and don't have much voice in these departments. So South Korea, the fact that they have an entire department dedicated to gender and family is a bit of a unicorn,、um, and I would say a good unicorn in terms of being progressive. Now it was founded in two thousand one, but. What I state in the article is that it isn't technically the Ministry of Gender Equality; it's the、mm. Ministry of Women's Affairs.、Um, the translation of the name—I'm not sure why they chose that—but in Korean, it's the Ministry of Women's Affairs,、mm. which is a very、um, exclusive title. And I think when you read a lot of the mission of the ministry, it's also exclusive. It's very much focused on women, and it's focused on families.、Um, oftentimes, the traditional. Definition of a Korean family, excluding LGBTQ and single mothers and foreign families, though that is changing.、Um, so, with that, what the ministry has done till this day is that they have focused on making it easier for people to have children in South Korea to be educated, to try and、um, they've. Been a part of creating centers for、mm. teens that are at risk to go to. There's a lot of different social policies that they've created. There's a lot of things they've pushed also for women's rights in South Korea.、Um, to answer your question,、mm. uh, in yes, go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. Okay.、Uh, so for the second part of your question, as restructuring it, I think what we're looking at is that feminism. And understanding gender equality, it kind of goes in different waves, in a、mm. sense. And、um, right now, it's really about not just engaging women, but men and boys, and men and masculinities, and looking at at gender issues as a whole, and how we talk about the patriarchy、um, mm. in the gender world. The patriarchy is this idea that you have social roles. Um, based on your your sex,、mm. oftentimes those roles can be detrimental to people's health.、Um, men tend to have more pressure, being the the sole provider、mm. in that structure, and they engage in riskier behavior. You see、um, more addictive behavior,、um, fighting,、uh, addiction to gambling, alcohol, sex, things like that. And it's the same thing for women, but it, it shows in different ways. And so. It, By restructuring the ministry to be inclusive of men, to be inclusive of the diversity of South Korea, they have the opportunity to start looking at policies that are going to help all of Koreans and not just targeting women, which doesn't actually help. You need to include men and boys in these gender policies to really make effective social change.、Mm. But again, during this previous answer, that you touch on so many significant points, but I want to. 
uh, keep going with the question again, going back to the article, when uh -huh. we talk about this gender equality between men and women, again, we were looking at the countries of in Asia, you know, for example, in South Korea, in China, again, you travel extensively to many countries to study on this critical matter. But one thing we have to say that at the end of the day, that government seemed to have so much more power in pushing this gender equality idea, you know, across the continent, regardless if you're in Asia or in America or in Europe. But again, when we look at the current newly elected president, number one, based on the report that his approval rating has dropped a lower than ever, and which is very surprising given the fact that he has not been this president for so long. But on the second thing, I want to ask you, how do you think the role of the president in, of South Korea play in this matter? So in other words, why do you think that the president of South Korea today should pay attention to the ministry that it doesn't matter if you call it a ministry of gender equality or family or anything else? What role do you see the president play in order to make the voice uh, heard widely? I think the president has an important role in, in any country in signaling what their policy is going to be and giving the go ahead for really substantive change to be made on those issues. Mm. And right now, South Korea, I understand they call it a gender conflict. I'm not a huge fan of that word. I think mm. it's very polarizing, but there's definitely this anti-feminist movement um, by young men in their 20s and 30s. And then you obviously have the feminist movement on the other side by women. And my personal opinion is that Yoon has really used this this conflict to rally a base of supporters um, and to continue to polarize this issue instead of bringing people together. And now that he's been elected, there's a lot of a lot of things that he's had missteps on um, to cause his rating to drop so low. But a huge part of his base is the anti-feminist base, and they were expecting him to make good on some of these promises to eradicate uh, the the feminist movement. And so, I feel that by abolishing the ministry this is really just catering to that base but at the end of the day the issues that these young men are upset about will not be solved by abolishing this ministry mm. it will be solved by you and actually working together with this ministry to become more inclusive to create long-lasting policies for change mm. Um, mm. Brett, i want to go back to the article again within this article you also mentioned something so important and i quote South Korea has a rapidly aging population, the highest suicide rate among the world's high-income countries, and a death rate outpacing the birth rate since 2020. On one hand, I can understand that when we think about the birth rate, I mean, look at the countries across Asia, in China, Japan, South Korea, Aging population is not something new today. But meanwhile, the government also is worried about you know the, the, the next generation. So in other words, the birth rate. Because more and more younger generations across the continent are not actually grabbing or willing to uh, engage with this family concept. But meanwhile, it's so astonishing to, to read what you wrote regarding the suicide rate. Can you help us to understand why South Korea I, I guess I want to put in a mild way is 
the population is not as significant as China's population or India's population, but it it but it's still a country that maintains the highest suicide rate among the world's high income countries. What are the causes of the suicide rate? And that's number one. Number two is why is this number or why is this so alarming for us to understand? Yeah, both great questions. And I will caveat that that is not my expertise. Gender is more my expertise than than that. But my understanding in South Korea is it's actually their elder suicide rate that is the highest. Mm. Um, and then also in both Japan and Korea, there's the high suicide rate among um, teenagers. And I believe part of that is due to the pressures and stress of the education systems in those countries. Mm. Um, and in South Korea, you know, a few few years ago, it was called a, a new word was coined it was called hell chosen mm. with chosen uh, is the old name for korea um during the chosen dynasty and that's something i've heard many of my my friends uh call uh korea as well because it's such a difficult country you have one of the most educated populations on the planet a population of 55 million people mm. on a country that is um what a quarter of the size of france mm. um so the competition is quite fierce but to look at the suicide rates and particularly like the elder suicide rates through a gender lens there's a lot of economic factors that go into it but um elder poverty and looking at it through a gender lens as well one of the things we talk about is the informal sector and a lot of the elderly in south korea particularly elderly women who have been widowed um they're they're working in market stalls right mm. they're doing cleaning they're doing um informal sector labor um which doesn't always get a lot of attention it's not a stable job during covid across the globe you know these people in the informal sector don't have access to the same benefits as those of us to have us an income a salary coming through that we can take days off and still get paid that we have a 401k investment that's not the case when you're you're working for yourself at, at a market stall um so i think that plays a small part into well, number one, the elder poverty in South Korea, which is astounding, um, and slightly into the suicide rates. Though I think that's a, a much bigger issue than gender alone. I think gender just plays a small factor in that. Mm. Bert, I want to, again, continue with this article. Something else that drew my attention is the Korean family's culture, or what you called in the article the dynamics of the Korean family. But again, you know, when we look at um, family culture, in the countries of Asia. Again, you know, as a formal international journalist that I travel extensively to a lot more countries, you know, as I mentioned before, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, I guess on one hand, we could say the family cultures resemble some similarities in Asia. But meanwhile, today, we're looking at the modernity of the family. You know, again, going yeah. back to the fact that every country is developing or every country is pacing itself in a different way. Help us understand what has changed this family culture within this Korean family dynamics. So in other words, why would you think that this family dynamics uh, a topic can actually link to this gender equality issue help us understand yes so 
I would blame, <laughs> if I can blame, capitalism for changing dynamics to family. Mm. Um, and again, compressed modernity in South Korea. Um, most young people today, their grand grandparents lived in a completely different world, mm. um, even the Korean War, right? Then in the high high income status they have today with some of the best tech in the world it's very mm. different um but the demands of capitalism you know a generation ago you could have a, a single income family um that is not the case today in south korea uh most people live with their parents until they get married because they can't afford um the property in seoul and we look at just the work culture and the demand that you know during south korea's uh you know park chung military dictatorship um that they had it was really pushing people to go the extra mile to make south korea prosper and even though south korea is not in that same um pushing i should say i guess that it was, you know, decades ago, a lot of the, I think, toxic uh, uh, structures and companies is still left over of that, you know, you need to work until your boss leaves. Like if you're there before the boss gets in and after the boss leaves, that's really good. You know, there's discrimination is rampant. Um, and these are some issues that Moon Jae-in tried to fix, um, but they still have a long way to go. So to get to the gender purpose of this, we're seeing the need of families changing in that you need a dual income family. Mm. And that then changes the gender roles, mm. right? The man no longer needs to be the sole provider, mm. both the man and the woman and the family need to work. And I'm talking about this in gender binaries, but this does, this, this attributes to, to all people in Korea and all genders. Mm. Um, but in doing that, how do you help society understand how these roles are changing? How do you make a man who feels that his role is to be the provider to make the money um, not feel that his masculinity is being stripped away because mm. his role in society is changing? And how do you help a woman who's working in the, the the formal corporate sector and then has to come home and do the double day of cleaning the house, cooking dinner, taking care of the kids, which was always expected of women? Um, how do you relieve that double day burden? Mm. And this is where gender roles becomes huge in the family dynamic of creating healthier families to then thrive and want to have kids. And mm. you're seeing this happening in that women are expected to get married and leave the workforce or have a child and leave the workforce in South Korea. Or once they do leave, they can't get back in. There's mm. a motherhood penalty. Women don't want that. And so they're like, why should I get married at all? Raising children is extremely expensive. Why should I have children? And South Korea is already quite late in marriage. Um, the U.S. average marriage is about 25. Mm. In South Korea, it's 32. Mm. Um, so gender plays a huge role in the family structure. Um, to, to answer your question, I could go on, but I will let you jump back in um, to direct us. Thank you, Britt. Again, I really appreciate those amazing insights that you share with us. You know, surprisingly, the, again, that you mentioned the average age for people to get married in South Korea is 32. You know, again, I spend a good amount of time in different countries in Asia, but I know that, for example, take China, for example, when we look at this family dynamics, 
more and more younger generations today, they are not really interested. Well, let me be careful right here. They're interested in forming relationship, but they're not interested in setting up the family culture. So in other words, because this economic pressure and also this internal, you know, this, uh, I guess what we called internal uh, psychological struggles or internal financial dilemma, that people are not willing to build family with another significant partners. And I think this, you know, initially before talking to you, Britt, I have to be honest, I only thought that China are the, is the only country that actually mm. suffering from this issue. But surprisingly, the neighboring countries such as South Korea, people are also suffering this dramatic change you know, financially or politically at the same time. But let's move on. I know within the article, you also mentioned there are a couple recommendations to address the population crisis in, the, uh, in South Korea and also the gender-related issues. For example, you wrote that expanding the income ceiling for low-income families to qualify uh, qualify for child, uh, child care subsidies or increasing the percentage of single-parent family eligible for child care expenses from 39% to 53%. Now, if we can pull back to look at this number in in this realistic economic perspective, Britt, my question is very simple. For the Yoon government, how feasible do you think those criteria or those uh, changes are going to be made very soon? Because we know that if people are not happy with the newly elected president and this person is not going to hold the seat for so long, especially regarding this economic benefits and also this gender equality. Go ahead. Um, yeah, and I should I should clarify too, the recommendations that you mentioned, those were actually put forth by the, gen uh, the gender, sorry, the Ministry of Gender Equality mm. and Family, um, which was quite interesting because they have been operating as if they're not going to be dismantled. They came out with those recommendations and the next day, um, Yoon Sakyul was like, let's give me the plans, let's abolish them. So I'm not sure if these will, in terms of, of economically, yes, they're very possible. Um, it's actually a small thing. And these are these are policies that are being expanded upon that the ministry had put in place, I believe, in 2017 and 2020, respectively. Mm. Um, there were additional things in there that cater to other gender issues. And I think, um, not to get sidetracked, but they're the Ministry of Gender Equality and Family. And I think a lot of these are do have gender perspectives to them or elements, but they're very focused on the family. I think that the ministry has been afraid to touch a lot of gender issues because of the polarization. Um, they did include on there how they're opening um, shelters for men who face domestic violence or um, sexual violence or digital crimes, which currently make up like 17% mm. of the calls they get about um, about gender-based violence crimes. 17% um, mm. are coming from men. So mm. they open that shelter, which is great. That's a, a gender policy that is fantastic. So in terms of Yoon Suk Yeol, I don't, I don't know if these things will happen. I don't know if they'll be passed. Um, it's really going to depend on how well he can rebound because at this point in time with a approval rating of 24%, he might not be president That's for right. the full five years. Um, right. And it's important to note too, he's coming from a party that was originally um, Park Geun-hye's party and she was the president, two presidents ago who was impeached. Mm. Um, 
So their party doesn't have a great um, standing in the Korean public, but I'm getting into I'm getting into Korean politics, which is always a dangerous, dangerous topic to get onto. That's right. Well, Britt, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking a very simple question. Your article, going back, the title is, Does the South Korean Ministry of Gender Equality Need to Be Abolished? At this moment, that no one would like to see such ministry to be abolished because we know that voters matter. Their voices matter the most. So again, for this newly elected president, not only that he need to shoulder the responsibility for any political or this economic engagement, but also internally, he has to address something so crucial for the people. Now, my last question to you is, what are the actually hopes among the South Korean citizens today that in terms of some of the social issues for this newly elected president. So in other words, we know his approval rating is plummeting at this stage. But meanwhile, people elected this person, you know, regardless what political ba uh, 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 base where you stand or what you took before. But meanwhile, I still want to know what are some of the hopes and what are some of the major issues that South Korean citizens are wanting to change in this ministry? That is an excellent question, and I don't want to speak on behalf of the South Korean people, sure. um, but I do know that the, the biggest issues facing South Korea right now um, is their economy. Um, they have a massive housing crisis, mm. um, and there's a great deal of corruption in these larger companies and their relationship to the government that has frustrated people. Frustrated people. And I also think protecting democracy. Um, South Korea is a is a new democracy, um, and there's a lot of remnants left over from the dictatorships, particularly in like the uh, judicial branch. Mm. And this is something when Jae-in was trying to change. Um, and I think it's important to the South Korean people to feel that their voices are heard, that they're represented accurately, um, and that the parties are actually going to do something. And so being able to preserve democracy in those institutions, which Yoon Suk-yeol has already made some questionable decisions um, in reinstating some of these authoritarian systems from the 1980s, um, I think this is becoming a bigger concern for the South Korean people. So, yeah. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking to Brittany Robinson. And Britt Robinson is a communications specialist at the International Center for Research on Women based in Washington, D.C. She holds a master's in Asian studies with specializations on the Korean Peninsula and a global gender policy. And again, I strongly encourage everyone to go online, look for this amazing article, again entitled, Does the South Korean Ministry of Gender Equality Need to Be Abolished? Britt, thank you so much for taking your time to join the show. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. We love to keep in touch with you and have you back on the show as we continue to pay attention not only to this political, but also social changes and the necessary steps under the newly elected South Korean president. Thank you, Britt.